welcome to the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. I'm David Lorimer, co-editor of a new book, Spiritual Awakenings, Scientists and Academics Describe Their Experiences. It's published by the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences and is available in paperback and Kindle editions. In this series of weekly podcasts, we'll be sharing the 57 original essays together with introductions and epilogue from my co-editor, Professor Marjorie Willicott. We hope you enjoy them. This is Natalie Tobert reading Spiritual Activism Informed by Psychic Experience. Throughout my young life, I'd heard about Nazis and concentration camps, but I'd never read, listened to or watched anything. My mother always said, there's no such thing as God, as he wouldn't have allowed Nazis. Both my parents were Jewish. My great grandparents were from Poland or Russia, depending on where the borders were at the time. My sister and I, we were brought up as English and myself, I've never been touched by faith. I recently returned from a trip to Poland where I facilitated a retreat on ancestral memories. Participants explored the effects of unspoken histories around memories and beliefs on death, dying and beyond. We discussed cultural knowledge around survival beyond death and its influence on spirituality, mental health and inner experiences. May I explain why this journey to Poland was so important to me and what relevance it was to mental health and expanded consciousness in general. When I was in my 20s, I myself appeared to tune in to someone's life who was held in a concentration camp in Dachau, Bavaria during the Nazi Holocaust. I had spontaneous visions of life and death there being experimented on, tortured and raped in a hospital. Different visions would arrive spontaneously when I was sitting on a bus or train, but I knew where they fitted into the whole scenario of that person then, before they were murdered in a gas chamber, before Natalie, myself, was born. I know who I am and I can witness the identity of that person then, I'm not aware of any ancestral relatives being in the Nazi Holocaust. The question is, was I having a spiritual awakening or did I have an ability to access normal clairvoyant faculties available to humans? In the 1980s, I worked as a museum curator responsible for indigenous American collections. During those years, I undertook shamanic practice workshops with Leo Rutherford and Howard Charing. I learned shamanic journeying techniques. 
Later, I discovered I was able to shift dimensions of consciousness at will, shifting between mundane and spiritual reality by intention alone. No ritual, no drumming, no performance and not consuming any substances. In 1998, I attended a university conference where I chaired sessions and presented a paper. There, I listened to one speaker on the platform of a huge hall who presented on the topic of ayahuasca, which I have never taken. While he was speaking, I saw the tall plant diva of an ayahuasca vine. She was standing beside me looking down and smiling. Half an hour later, I realized my consciousness was expanding and I had expanded hearing. At the time, I had undertaken shamanic practice for many years and I knew what was happening. And so I took myself back to my university residence room and lay under the duvet for hours watching screen loads of artifacts and rituals from all over the world. This was the first and only time in my life I acknowledged to myself that I was having hallucinations. I could witness what was happening, but I couldn't stop it. I knew that I had to stay under the duvet. Once the visions stopped three or four hours later, I got up and left my university accommodation and chatted to one conference participant who suggested I tell the speaker. It happened that the speaker didn't believe that anyone could have visions without ingesting substances. However, it felt like I'd been gifted the visions without any side effects of consumption. Now, during these visions, the plant diva told me I was forbidden to engage in any kind of psychic or shamanic activity again. I obeyed. I stopped attending workshops, held the intention to ban visions and today I can only see mundane reality. I was ordered by the diva to register for a degree in medical anthropology to give me the language to question psychiatry and to support people who found themselves diagnosed and labelled within the mental health system. So I was having changes in career. At that point, I already had a doctorate in ethno-archaeology based on observational fieldwork research in Sudan. And I was accepted at a university to study medical anthropology. In those days, the weeks were strange. Some days I was a university lecturer teaching modules on anthropology and spirituality. On other days, I was a student learning about medical anthropology and multiple narratives around health.
As Education Director of Ethos Training and Consultancy, I developed a 10-week course module on medical anthropology, which I have been teaching since 2007, and I still teach in medical schools to this day. And my book on the topic is Cultural Perspectives, published in 2016. The aim of the course that I taught medical students was to raise awareness that there were multiple ways of understanding health, particularly mental health. I also produced a training resource pack, which is still unpublished, to support other people who wanted to teach this. And that project was funded by the Scientific and Medical Network. Going further back in my career, years ago, I studied at the School of Oriental and African Studies and a colleague there told me, as a scholar, you have to publish or die. I followed her advice and my good publication record meant I could slip easily into freelance contract jobs at universities as a researcher or a lecturer. I was not based at any particular university, rather I was a freelance consultant. Wherever work was offered, I was an itinerant scholar. When I undertook fieldwork in Sudan for my doctorate, I only knew about mundane things which I and others could observe. However, I was aware of altered states of consciousness by the time I did fieldwork in India. In addition, the psychiatrists that I met at Sri Aurobindo's ashram in India were knowledgeable about different aspects of consciousness which were invisible to others, Dr. Basu and Dr. Miovic. In India, I explored the way psychiatrists worked and how their practices might be transferable to Western populations. This research is published in my book, Spiritual Psychiatries, in 2014. So what happens now? When I set the intention to ban visions, they eventually stopped in 2002. However, I retain a sense of knowing and personal sovereignty to this day, so that on rare occasions, I can feel the spirits of the dead if I choose and invite them to leave. But I practice mundane spiritual activism. I hold a skill as a trainer of medical students and healthcare staff knowing which of the many cultural versions of reality to present, to whom, at which time, and which aspects of consciousness to remain silent about. I assumed then, as I assume now, that the beings and entities I saw earlier were veridical. This meant a radical rethink had to happen around the way Western societies treated human experiences labelled as mental illness.
So what next? Where do we go from here? I am aware of plural cultural versions of reality and how people are treated within the mental health system. If they cannot manage their experiences or the people around them, lay and professional, cannot manage. It seems that spirituality must go beyond individual experience and explore broader perspectives for any community, its history, its land, and include not only Western interpretations of experience, but also look at other global societies. We must acknowledge multiple narratives around health. Thanks so much for downloading the Spiritual Awakenings podcast. Do join us for the next episode.